On today's episode, I have a very special guest. Her name is Regan, and she is a woman's empowerment coach and intuitive energy healer who gives you guidance in your own healing journey. She also has her own podcast on Spotify called Healing Through Holism. I'm so excited to have her as a special guest today. So I hope you guys enjoy this week's episode and you're able to absorb some tips, tricks, and fun things to incorporate in your daily life. So here we go. Episode two, officially, of BF and Real. Welcome. Thank you. Let me turn my phone on my Do Not Disturb. I mean, we focus love it. mode. I'm always on Do Not Disturb. <laughs> That's um, great. Yeah, I, I know that. it's my favorite. Um, my friends literally get mad at me because my phone's I always like on I left my shit. phone at home today for like four hours. I was like, Mom, like, I don't me. have my phone. My, and then I got home. My husband's like, do you want me to call it? I was like, I mean, I guess. You're like, uh, do I really need it? Sure. I mean, I'm just going to show up at this girl's house and we'll see like what happens. I Hopefully like, I don't get murdered. Oh my gosh. I mean, seriously, <laughs> since the pandemic, I don't know what it is about me being like, yeah, I'll just show up at your house. But like, we've You're met like, some of our address? very best friends. Right. We've met some of our very best friends from like Facebook oh, in the past yeah. few years. Oh yeah. Well, what's real? Well, the thing is, is that. I feel like one, the, all the serial killer documentaries have been coming out and being People a millennial, like, I know what to watch out girl. for now. Oh yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I watched CSI when I was freaking like, you know, a preteen CSI oh, yes. every day after Law and order SVU. Yes. I've learned so much. So, like, criminal I right. I'm like, if I get a bad vibe, then, you know, it is what it is. But yes. so welcome. Thank you. Obviously everything is free roam to talk Great. about anything, anything cool. that you would like to. Cool. Um, so this is Regan. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Um, I guess explain kind of like who you are and uh-huh. what you do. Oh my gosh, such a broad question. I know, right? You're like, um, I do everything. I do so many things. And it's funny, like the more and more I talk about it, the more I realize, or maybe the less I realize how to explain what I do because it's yeah. such a broad yeah. thing. So- I was trying to explain it to one of my clients and I'm like, honestly... I don't know. We'll see. Watch the podcast. Listen so, to the podcast. I'll start. I'll start this way. My goal, like my vision, mm-hmm. my desire for people is to invite them into a less shameful life Ooh. by uncovering core negative beliefs and helping them tear down and strip themselves of the layers that are preventing them from showing up in their life the way that they want to. So I was talking about this on a consult call yesterday with someone where she, I was like, I basically asked like, what do you, what do you want by the end of the year? Like you're here to talk about my year long program. What do you want? And like last day of 2023, what do you want to feel? What do you want to be thinking about yourself and about your life? Mm -hmm. She's like, I want to know who I am. I was like, well, who are you? She's like, I don't know. She's like, I show up in a room. And then I kind of decide based off of, like, what's going on. So you've got the layer of, like, you walk in the room and you smell certain things and you see people dressed a certain way and you hear them talking about a certain thing and you feel the energy of the room. So, like, all of your senses are being touched on and you use that to base who you are. And a lot for a lot of us, it's a trauma response, right? Like, uh, yeah. we're used to showing up in a room and letting the room tell us who we are because that's how we learned to survive is to be adaptable. Yeah, which is a great skill. But, but if you're getting murdered, <laughs> right? Exactly. You're like <laughs> not on a daily fine. basis. In my opinion, you're like I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's <laughs> fine. But 
so my goal is to help people know who they are before they show up into the room so that the room doesn't have to tell them who to be. Ooh. They get to show up. They already know who they are before they walk in the door and, and it doesn't change. Yeah. It doesn't matter what people are dressed up in. doesn't matter what they're talking about, how mm-hmm. they're presenting themselves. Like they know who they are and they're confident enough in it to not have to change. Yeah. Based on their surroundings and their environment. So that's my goal. That's my vision is yeah. for people to live a life that is shameless. Like they just love, love that. They love being who they are. Yeah. And they love like being in their body. I, I feel like we've lost so much from just we've lost so much because we've lost touch with ourselves. Yeah. And Especially with one social media. Oh, my gosh. Two um the this figurative of what a woman should be mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. also comparing oh yeah that's the other thing the comparing yeah. i'm like i am the way that you're describing i'm very like i actually did a little mini podcast last night because i went on a rant great um, i literally went on a rant <laughs> because i'm like i want people to feel how i feel yeah every day and yeah. i've always felt that way so how do you like teach someone to feel Mm -hmm. that way Mm -hmm. like how do you like do that well a lot of it isn't even like teaching a lot of it is asking the right questions so that they teach themselves oh when you start a lot of it goes to like inner child work yeah right so you're like okay you feel awkward when you go to you know I don't know. Let's think of an example. Okay. You feel awkward when you go to an OBGYN because someone's going to be looking at your vulva. Okay. And you're like, why do you feel awkward? They do that for a living. Yeah. Why do you feel awkward? Right. Um, Is it because you're uncomfortable with your body? Is it because you're uncomfortable being seen? Or judged? Or judged? Or do you have trauma that's associated with Mm. that specific spot on your body? Yeah. So there's so many layers for people to explore and... A lot of people don't want to ask themselves the hard questions because it's uncomfortable to answer. And so I ask a lot of uncomfortable questions because it helps people get to know themselves. Mm-hmm. And they're questions that people never would have thought that would touch base on. I mean, it's that, not like dinner table conversation for most right, people. Right. Me, I'm like such a deep person I that I love that's I like, like can't not go deep. Yes, and like, I'm like, please tell me your deepest darkest. Literally, right now, I'm like you're about to tell me everything. <laughs> and I like that's how I personally connect with with people. Yeah. I feel like Same. like when my cl- when my clients or when my friends or anything, we're just like having a super. Was it superficial? Is that the word to use? Yeah, but it's very like shallow, shallow, and it's just like, how was your day? Mm-hmm. What's your favorite color? Do you like walking dogs? And it's like, no, I want to know literally like what happened the last time. Like what triggered you yesterday? Like I'm a very empathic person. Yeah. And I want to like, I want to like just make other people feel happy. Right. And it's the thing of what you're just saying about like walking into a room and not judging, like not feeling like you're getting judged or having that trauma. Like how do we get to that point? And it's asking those deep questions. Yeah, because you don't, you discover who you are. You're not taught who you are. So I think that's really what it comes down to is like, I'm not trying to teach people. It's so deep. I love it. (laughs) I mean, I'm like, do I have a kink right now? What is happening? (laughs) Doesn't that feel so good though? It It literally gets me off. Like, I love it. (laughs) I know. Seriously, conversations like this, like our real turn on for life. Like, 
Yeah. It's so funny. I don't, I'm not sure how it started or how I started to recognize it, but I started to recognize that I think actually it, it goes back to my human design we just talked about. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever heard of gene keys. Gene keys. This is like a whole different, know, my brain like can't even wrap my head around what. Well, it's like, it's kind of like another type of astrology type of thing. Like yeah. Part of my gene keys, it's basically just like different perspectives and different aspects of your personality and your, like your soul, like your being. Mm-hmm. And once you start to recognize the aspects and the perspectives that you bring to life, you can start to enjoy your life even more. So one of mine is like one of my purposes is to just like suck the marrow out of life. Just like love every yeah. moment. Indulge in everyday moments. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like I'm walking outside and it's fall and like the sun is shining and I hear the crunching leaves under my feet and I'm like, this is the best thing in my life. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, I'm so turned on to life right now. And it's life literally has started to become orgasmic in certain areas yeah like i'm not getting off like (laughs) i'm not having an orgasm but that same like it's like life is ravishing me in different areas where i'm like like (laughs) you're like wait is this like happening right now my brother um his girlfriend they came and visited for christmas from poland Mm -hmm. and they brought some chocolate from europe and I ate some of this chocolate on Christmas Day. I literally was shedding tears. I'm like, this is so delicious. Um, but no, that's literally me anytime I eat chocolate in general. Yes. I have some weird, but I feel like, one, food in the United States sucks. I can't even. Um, but two. Although my brother's girlfriend from Poland would like to say otherwise. <laughs> she stop. loves so many things here. Yeah. yeah no. And it's so fun. It. It's so fun to like. It's like when you have a little kid and they experience something for the first time. Yeah. It's it's Except a magical it's a full grown adult. <laughs> yes. So it's like even more fun because I'm not going to give like my baby a burger, you know? You wouldn't? <laughs> Fuck it. My 1-year-old. <laughs> Here you go. Here's a burger, baby. But there are times and it's so funny cuz me and my husband were and my kid, kids, I guess we have kids. We were vegan for four and a half years. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. Can't relate. I, it's okay. I'm like, and I'm like a non-judgmental vegan. I'm like, you like meat? Great. Like, I really enjoyed eating meat. So we started adding meat back into our diets. Okay. In How was that? The fall. It was a transition. It was like, for me, I started off being vegan because there were a lot of, there was a lot of evidence to support that conventional dairy has links to breast cancer for women. And prostate cancer runs on both sides of my family. So oh, technically... Yeah breast cancer my mom's sister also had breast cancer so I was like you know what with all of like the diet part being linked to breast cancer I was like I'm just gonna stack the cards in my favor I can change my diet Mm -hmm. genetics that's different but I can support my genetics to be the healthier version of themselves so I went plant-based and the longer I was plant-based the more I realized like how terrible the industry is so yeah. even though I didn't go in it for like PETA purposes, mm-hmm. you know, like I wasn't throwing you in for red like paint a- on fur coats and stuff like that. <laughs> like, no. But I started to realize like all of these animals are treated so poorly. Yeah. And they're exploited and they're just like, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to consume that because mm-hmm. I'm such an energy I'm, person. Yes. Yeah. That I can feel, I feel mm-hmm. like crap. Yes. When I eat conventional eggs, conventional dairy and conventional meat, like I feel like shit. Yeah. 
so when I started adding meat and dairy back into our diets, it was like, well, last year I started with eggs. I had duck eggs from a regenerative all organic farm in Hemlock, Michigan, like super bougie, right? Ooh. And they were so good, extra fatty. I was pregnant with my second and my body like couldn't tolerate any food. So I was like, whatever will get me the most protein, fat, calories all in one. I was like, mm-hmm. duck eggs sound great, I guess. Yeah. And then this fall, I started, um, have you heard of Butcher's Box? No. It's great. It's like a, it's a meat subscription box. I'm like the least healthiest person you'll ever meet. <laughs> That's fine. That's okay. I'm like, mm, I'll take 200 milligrams of caffeine. And <laughs> caffeine then has done. some great health benefits for you. If girl, you don't drink it. I had a panic it. attack yesterday. So. Did you drink it on an empty stomach? Yes, mom. I did. I mean, <laughs> it has some great health benefits if you drink it on a full belly. I know. <sighs> it's hard. It's hard. Anyways. I get it. So anyway, Butcher's Box is like a meat subscription, but their meat is like really well sourced. So the beef like comes from Australia, like farmers in Australia. And I have friends who live in New Zealand. And That's fun. Yeah. I went to school in Hawaii for college. So I have That's friends amazing. like all over the world now, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, the college I went to is like, I, I don't know how many countries were represented there when I was there, like 38. 50 something i don't Dang. know just it's an international hub wow. school like it is the most hawaii inter- is the specific school i went to it's byu hawaii oh B- yeah. byu oh brigham young university hawaii it, girl. that's where i went to college i've been born and raised in michigan <laughs> state of michigan <laughs> yeah i was no, raised that's, that's well cool. my parents are both they're different religions but i okay. consider myself raised mormon I'm <laughs> I know it's crazy Mormon yeah I I have but I'm like on a faith journey I've been is on that a the faith one that journey. has like 17 wives so that well <laughs> she, she takes a deep breath I'm yeah so well. I mean which which documentary are you talking about there's so many so um so who are you asking who has 17 wives Mormons in general, no. Okay. In the olden days. <laughs> in the olden, olden days. days. The olden days and then offshoots from the Mormon church. So this yes. isn't sister wives. So sister wives, the, the are you talking about the TLC series? <laughs> yes. Okay, so they're from Wyoming. This is, we're about to go in a completely different direction. <laughs> You're like, you conspiracy theory. <laughs> I know. I've seen their house. So fun fact, I bec- I was a Mormon missionary. Before I went to school in You're Hawaii. You were Krishna. You, were you knocking on doors? Yes. Shut. Absolutely. Sister Glenn here. Sister. Sister was, Glenn. Yes. So it's sisters and elders. So I was a sister missionary for a year and a half in that's Montana what I'm, I'm sorry, but that's what I'm naming this fucking podcast is Sister Glenn. This shit, I can't. <laughs> yeah. Let me make a note of that. And I have like, I have so much respect for people who are still in the church. I really do. There's a lot of beautiful things about all religions in the world. And I think that is what was really frustrating to me when I started going to school for international cultural studies and peace building. That was my degree. Oh, wow. Yeah. Super cool. I love it. So conflict resolution, mediation was one of my big focuses and really starting to look at the commonalities and differences of cultures as a whole. Yeah. And with that, I became a whole lot more respectful 
of all of the differences. Yeah. Because it's not like one is better than the other. No. There's just too much. There's so much. Like, there's too much difference Mm -hmm. for it to just be better or worse. Well, right. So one of the things about church culture, and by church, I mean Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Mormon church. Okay. Is that there's a big emphasis on being the one, having the truth. Okay. And stupid analogies that we would use as missionaries. It's just like embarrassing. I just hate this. It's like, I literally used this analogy. It was like, other religions have nuggets, but we've got the whole chicken. She did not. I says the vegan. Even. Says the vegan. <laughs> says the vegan. I know. There's. I. Is it like yeah. funny thinking back to that? It is. When it's funny and it's sad, and it's beautiful, and for so many different reasons. Yeah. One like. It's it's ironic. That's really what it is. The irony. There's just so much irony in the whole situation. Sad because I was so hellbent ironically enough hellbent on like trying to find as many people as I possibly could to baptize because recovering perfectionist recovering people pleaser I just wanted to look good I just Mm. wanted to be approved of I wanted to be accepted I wanted to belong I wanted to prove that I was good enough yeah and I didn't have the numbers to support it as a missionary and so I was always which is like sorry to stop you but like it's weird to like think about that I know I don't have these numbers I'm not I worth. must not be a good enough missionary. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So sad. I know. I would be just like, I don't even fucking care. Right. <laughs> and it was just like, I thought that I had, oh, this is like making so much sense for like the fears that I have as a business owner. Just mm-hmm. like things that are totally based off of like trauma experiences for me as a kid yeah. where it's like now as a business owner or six months ago as a business owner it's like oh i must not be a good enough business owner because i don't have enough clients it's the same exact thing wow i must not be a good enough missionary because i don't have enough baptisms i must not be like what i have to offer must not be good enough and like when i was a missionary i'm like this is literally the greatest thing like this is everlasting salvation like eternal life families are forever yeah and some of those things like are so beautiful such beautiful beliefs and it's a beautiful belief system and just like every other single religion in the world they all have crazy stuff whether it's cultural practices or whether it's you know harmful ideas and ideologies um or harmful histories like every single religion and church establishment in the entire world has a dark side it just does yeah why do you feel like there was so much pressure to, like, baptize the amount of people of what mm-hmm. you did or go through the things that you did in that specific religion? Well, the two things that come to mind for me are in the Bible, Jesus literally talks about, like, going out, feed my sheep, right? Like, take care of my people. Right. Find as many people as you possibly can. Because if they don't know about me, how can I have a relationship with them? So if you have the belief that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to save the world, to save you as a person, then you would want everyone to know about that, right? You would want everyone to know that there's an unconditional love that exists for you outside of yourself. 
so there was that pressure of like well everyone has to know about this like everyone in this world must be miserable right like so that was the other like naive part of me yeah that's weird to think right right i know and it's like like everyone must be miserable without jesus or god right and yet i kept running into more and more people so i served in montana and wyoming which are like very yeah i love that you traveled (laughs) oh yeah and Montana is, like, easily one of the most beautiful states in the entire United States. It's gorgeous. Well, at least the western part of it. <laughs> the eastern part of it is, like, dry and brown. And then oh, the eastern like my soul. The western part of it is, like, Yellowstone mountains, pine trees, Glacier Very National like, Park. Um, like, picturesque. You're going to see, oh, what's a Sasquatch? like Sasquatch sighting maybe yeah who knows but people there we'd be like well like do you go to church and they're like I don't have to go to church like I can just go to the mountains and be with God Mm -hmm. and I just remember being like such a rule follower like so letter of the law black and white I was like there's no way I'm like how can they how can they do that like how can they break the rules and feel close to God like it must not be real and so like here I am this 19 year old little girl just like so naive to the world thinking that I had the best thing to offer them that you know the way that they were living their life the way that they had found God was not good enough like how which is sad but like think about how judgmental that is yeah absolutely and like so judgy it's because I was judging myself all day long I wasn't good enough (laughs) but just imagine the amount of people that still think and feel that way Mm -hmm. in their own religion absolutely and I think that you should do believe in whatever you want to believe in and yeah. you know all that fun stuff but I just feel like a lot of people have such a closed mind when it comes yes. to religion or spirituality or stuff like that yeah like my spectrum is so broad that mm-hmm. I'm like I believe in energy and I believe yeah. in you know spiritual awakenings and sp- talking to spirit and getting dreams yeah. and absolutely. God and you know I, yeah. I believe in all of that and it's like It's crazy to think that in a church, everything is so, I feel like, is very conformed to this cookie cutter thing of what you need to be in order to get a place in heaven when that's not what God at all, in my opinion, would want. Absolutely. He would want you to make choices. He would want you to mm-hmm. seek out your spiritual journey and be open with people. And and find him if he's a him. Find right. them. Find whoever. Divinity. Yeah. It's usually, like, that's the term that I've started to use in the past two years is divinity. I like that. Like, divinity. What does that mean? Does it mean a male God? Does it mean a female God? Does it mean a set of heavenly parents? Either way, it's a divine, energetic connection. Do you think that when people die, their God is whatever their subconscious wants them to be Mm. or conforms to, like, what they believe? Like, if you believed that God was a woman, Mm -hmm. when you pass away and you enter the spiritual realm, is God a woman? Mm, That's a great question. Isn't that weird? Like, to think about that? I mean, it could be a possibility. And honestly, I mean, anything's a possibility anymore. I have I never died, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so you think reincarnation? So, girl, stop! I, I know, know, I know. You're like, don't even get me started. I'm like, I want to do a uh, past life regression so bad, but I'm afraid to get hypnotized. I know, girl. I'm so afraid to get hypnotized. I did hypnotherapy this summer. It's. I'm so afraid. It's honestly, I've done past life regression moments. I've I've done hypnotherapy. Like, it's not what media has led you to believe that it is. 
you're not in like some unbreakable trance like right like your eyes are like spiraling no it's not what like movies have led you to believe it is yeah very much so back like in that same sense with religion Mm -hmm. like how conformist it is i was talking to someone about this the other day in terms of like female pleasure yeah and um how you know if a man goes out and he has lots and lots of partners how that's kind of celebrated like oh like look at i you. literally talked about this in my last yeah. episode i literally and talked about this numbers for a girl for a girl it's like if you've had more than like what two, two you're three, like you're a whore total hoe for yep. the rest of your life literally you can like never outgrow it whereas like a man he's like oh well he's outgrown his bachelor stage now he's like a steady father you know things like that just you're like stupid. suck a dick <laughs> literally you're fucking annoying <laughs> so I was talking to someone about this and I'm like, but what better way to control the most powerful entity on this earth than to convince them that they can't make choices based on their own bodies ever, girl? Like, what better way to control an entire crowd of people? What better way Mm -hmm. to gain power than to convince entire populations, masses of people that sex outside of marriage is bad and it's evil so you can't ever experience physical pleasure with another person which is so sad to think that which would include you feeling good about yourself but instead they're going to guilt and shame you into conforming so that they had control over you Mm -hmm. so that's one thing (laughs) yeah and then the other thing is like women's body like a uterus is literally like it houses creative energy yeah regardless of we whether make or eyeballs not, yeah like i know <laughs> like regardless of whether or not you choose to birth a human baby out of your uterus like you can create businesses you can create oh yeah the relationship of your dreams you can create massive amounts of wealth like you hold creative energy in your physical body and your energetic body and what better way to control that than to put all of these layers and harmful ideologies around your worth and your ability to do anything. And like we layer that in shame and fear and doubt and less than ideologies. What better way to control an entire population yeah. than to make them feel that they are inherently worth less because they were born with a specific set of reproductive organs? I've never thought about it like that. Like, that's, like, how many women do you know that could, like, fucking change the world? But they can't because my they're best so afraid. My best friend. Mm-hmm. I literally had to come on and do a podcast about her mm-hmm. last night and about her situation because it literally, I just want to throat punch her 24-7. <laughs> literally. I'm just, like, I, I know that, like, I can't make someone feel the way that I feel. Right. It's their choice at the end of the day to you have to come to it on your yes, own yes exactly mm-hmm. and it's just frustrating because she doesn't understand her worth and i tell her that all the time yeah. i said you don't need an explanation for why someone doesn't want to be with you or someone right. doesn't want to talk to you fuck them mm-hmm. who cares about their explanation i said you're just conforming yourself and you're on top of that making all of these excuses of what things that you can't change because of who you are right why would you want to change yourself for someone that literally won't even talk to you? Mm-hmm. That doesn't even make sense to me. Right. And 
I just feel like that it's frustrating because a man can go out here and say, well, a woman needs to do this and a woman needs mm-hmm. to do that. And they have mm-hmm. to fit this blah, 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 blah. But if a woman has standards, then it's not okay. Right. Then she's bossy. Yes. Or she's mm-hmm. nagging mm-hmm. or. Right. She is a boss babe. Like, yeah. and she doesn't. She's intimidating. Oh, going off of that. Yeah. Masculine and feminine energy. Uh-huh. I'm all about this right now. I've been working on yeah. this for like the past like two months Mm -hmm. and i've been really like honing in on like what this is and what it means to me yeah and is that something that like i guess as a woman and what we were just talking about would you consider that being like masculine energy or do you feel like that's more feminine energy than anything being a boss babe not a boss babe but like a woman knowing her worth mm. and knowing what she like, I guess just knowing her worth and knowing her standards and stuff like that. Would you consider that more masculine or feminine? I think it's both because in order for you to have balanced divine energy, masculine and feminine, they both have to exist at the same time. Like the yin and the yang, they yeah. cannot exist you can't have just the black side and just the white side. It's incomplete. So, so if one person. One person. Every single ha- person has both. has both. But cert- at certain times. One will lead. One yeah. will lead. One will lead. Okay. And it will look. And they can coexist at the same time. That's the thing. They can both almost so be leading crazy. at the same time. You think about like even if you close your eyes and imagine like in your brain. There's a queen version of you Mm -hmm. and there's a king version of you. They both have different energy. Like you think about what kind of king would I want to lead me? Okay. I want my king to be fierce, Mm -hmm. strong, protective, be able to provide for me, be able to support me, give me structure, safety, security, all of that. Like, okay, you can give that to yourself. Right. And the queen version of you. Is going to be able to support that as well as be creative. So the feminine energy is like creation and flow and fluidity and flexibility, the visionary. So the king is like, here, let me give you all of the rules and the structure to support you. And the queen's like, here's the vision. And he's like, great, we can make that happen by one, two, three. Here's the steps to make this huge vision, this flow come together. So I think of it as like, a riverbed mm-hmm. where if that river didn't have the banks on each side to keep it in check on where it needed to go, it would overflow and make a mess. Yeah. You'd have no direction because you're grind- trying to go too many places all at the same time with your creativity, with right. your flow, with your flexibility. So the riverbank is the masculine energy where it's like, okay, I love your creative flow. I'm going to support you. I'm going to hold you. So that you can be nurtured in getting to your destination and creating whatever it is you need to go like to do and in flowing wherever you need to go. When you have wounded masculine energy that comes in or mas- or um, wounded feminine energy that comes in, then it can act like a dam. Oh, wow. Where the feminine, if the masculine's wounded, it will literally become a dam. There's no creative energy. There's no flow. There's more. There's no flexibility. So you become really astringent, really strong. It's like the 
toxic masculinity that we see like it's aggressive and not in a good way it's violent it's angry it's controlling it's manipulative like it will cut off all creative flow whereas with like toxic or wounded feminine energy it's like you have too much and now you're overflowing like you've broken outside of your bounds and so now you're like only women only women only women only feminine like I hate men right and like there's some men that I really don't I want to throw a punch 97 percent right of them. but we're also doing harm to our society by saying like we hate men because without men and women like without a reproductive we need both yeah Yeah. and the same thing with the energy like you cannot exist as a balanced human being in a happy healthy way yeah without having both what i think a lot of people like from you saying the problem that we have with men i think the problem that we have with men is that a lot of them are stuck in Mm -hmm. a predominantly feminine energy in my opinion or the exact opposite. Or the, the exact. toxic masculinity. Yes, one of the two. Yeah. There, there's no, they don't know how to be emotional. They don't know how to, mm-hmm. like, be open to having a conversation. They yeah. um, disregard a lot of things. Or they're highly creative, highly whatever, building and this and that. But then they don't have, they're the type of person that wants to do every single thing, but and never hone in on one thing. They don't have the structure to support it. Correct. Yeah. And it's so, like a mama's boy. Yeah. Girl, don't even start on that. Mm-hmm. Yes it's it's a boy it's not a man it's yeah. a boy so the i mean society right now is struggling with so many boys and so many toxic men and so many little girls and so many toxic women mm-hmm. that there's this huge imbalance and we're starting to recognize it and see it and want something different yeah and that's why it's so important for people to start to realize like, oh, I have both inside of me. doesn't matter yeah. what organs you have inside your body. You have both. Every single human has feminine and masculine energy inside and you need to learn how to balance it. Yeah. You need to learn how to support it and support yourself because if you're going outside of yourself over and over and over again, then you're relying on your external circumstances to determine, again, who you are. Yeah. Instead of determining who you are before you even show up to your environment. That's funny that you say that because that's something that I recognize, especially being, you know, now being old, getting older. I'm (laughs) getting older. 28. I know. But I'm just saying like with time progressing and me really working on my like spirituality and what I want in life and all of that fun stuff, you know, after I have a kid, Mm -hmm. um, I used to be my my best friends used to call me a chameleon because mm-hmm. I would conform myself to who like if I'm dating this person and they like baseball I know fucking everything there is to know about <laughs> baseball if this person is in a yeah. car I'm going out and buying a car like I'm going out and conforming mm. myself to this person so then I went through a really abusive narcissistic mm. manipulative manipulative relationship previous to my boyfriend my child's father but mm-hmm. um I went through that and then I went through this whole like then I got pregnant very quickly and then I had my child and now really honing in on like what is it that I want in life Mm -hmm. it's like it's crazy to look back at photos of myself and being like I know what phase that was Mm -hmm. and like I never want someone to feel the way that I felt back then right and I've always had confidence and I've always you know 
had that and I, I never really cared what people thought about me, but it was crazy to look back and, and notice that I conformed myself to right. this cookie cutter, you know, aspect of what this person wanted me to be. Mm. You know, if, if that person like long hair, I'm going out and buying a wig. Like that mm-hmm. person like short hair, I'm cutting my hair. If that person like sneakers, I'm into sneakers. Mm. And I never really knew who I was and what I liked. And after having my child, it, it was very, I had severe postpartum depression. Yeah. It was really bad. And I think it was just because I lost a sense of like, okay, well now I have nothing to base myself off of. Right. And I really have to work out what I personally want. Who the heck you are. And who I am. Mm-hmm. And what makes me happy. And going to yeah. therapy, I've been going to therapy for probably Good. like five months now. And the biggest thing is, is that he tells me all the time, he's like, you need to figure out what makes Rachel happy. Yeah. Like, it's okay to be selfish because yes. you deserve to be selfish. Right. You are a people pleaser. You know what I mean? Recovering. You're recovering. recovering people pleaser. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I'm still, I'm still a people pleaser, but at the same time, like, I'm very... You have people pleaser tendencies. Yeah. You aren't a people pleaser. You just have tendencies. Yeah. I yeah. feel like I never really realized how important boundaries were. Mm. And that's what I'm working on right now. Mm-hmm. I never had boundaries with people. I mm. kind of just let them... Like, if I didn't want to do something, I still did it mm-hmm. just to make them happy. Right. And it was like, it's sad. And what really hit me is I went on my first date after my ex and I broke up. Mm-hmm. Um, I went on a date and the next, that night I had a panic attack and came home, puked all day, mm. all night. I had to cancel all my clients. I had, it was horrible. And at mm. that moment I realized that because I, I made choices that I shouldn't have made. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't ready to go on a date, but mm-hmm. I forced myself to get out there and be like, you're going to get over them. You're going to get over them. Like mm-hmm. you deserve this attention, you know? Yeah. And then I did it and I was like, my body was basically like trauma. It was a trauma response mm-hmm. is what my therapist told me. Yeah. He goes, your body didn't know how to handle that. And so right. it basically like projectile vomited everything right. out of your system to detox yeah. you from that situation. And right. after that moment, I started my actual like, Dang. Yeah my like cleansing and detoxing of spirituality and making boundaries i mean pros and cons right like (laughs) the one of the biggest things that i work on with people is finding the things that are unprocessed so they can finally process them and release them from their bodies yeah because when you hold on to trauma for a really really long time your body will start to show you physical symptoms for you it was instant which means yeah you weren't gonna hold on to it no your subconscious was like, we cannot do this again. Yeah. This gets out now and we address it now. Like I'm not, I'm not going to hold on to this for 10 more years and do it again and again and again. Yeah. So like, good job, Rachel's <laughs> body and subconscious for I just know. telling you right then and there and like almost making it so miserable to where you it was knew like a wake up call. you would never dishonor yourself in that way ever again. Yes. Yeah. The biggest thing that I'm trying to work out right now, yeah, I've implemented my boundaries. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, did all of that. But, but the biggest thing that I am working on is my commitment issues that I have. Mm. And as bad as I want commitment, I'm also very scared of it. I'm very, like I told my therapist, this, to me it doesn't make any sense, but I'm very like in my business, mm-hmm. I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Right. Like. Right here, you know, 
it is what it is. Like, I don't let anything stop me. But mm-hmm. in my relationship and my personal life, it's yeah. completely different. I cannot commit. Like, I'm very, like, wishy-washy. Like, one mm-hmm. day I'm like, oh, this sounds great. Oh, my God. And then the mm-hmm. next day I'm like, yeah, no, don't talk to me. And then I start abandoning, mm-hmm. you know, my mm-hmm. own feelings and all of that. And then I kind of seclude myself. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to work out right now mm. with that journey. Mm-hmm. And I have sat and pondered and all of that. And then what's really crazy is yesterday I told you I drank like way too much fucking caffeine <laughs> and I had a full on panic attack. Yeah. And what triggered the panic attack was I was driving and I was on my way to Birch Run with my cousin and her uh, boyfriend and my son. And she was talking about how when I was younger, I never wanted to turn left in front of traffic, like turning left mm. in general. Mm-hmm. And he goes, so you must have troubles with commitment then. And as soon as he said that, my heart started pounding. Like mm. I'm very aware of what yeah. my body does. I'm very, very in tune with my body. And yeah. then all of a sudden that triggered my panic attack. And like I had to pull over on the side of the road. I was hyperventilating. Like I needed to like take deep breaths. I took mm. some deep breaths and then I was fine, you know. But it's realizing that even him saying that mm-hmm. is also still a wound and a trigger for me. Yeah. Like someone else recognizing. And it's like. What's hard for you. Right. And it kind of like hit me because it's like, okay, that is a wound for me. And that is something that I, I really need to work on because I want to be in a happy relationship and right. a loving relationship. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But then it also at the same time, it's like, are you going to ba- abandon me? Mm -hmm. You know, are you going to say that you love me and give me everything that I want? And then one day it's just going to, you know, a switch flips and then it's going to be completely different. So, I mean, the question that comes to my mind for you is, is it them that you don't trust or is it you not being able to trust yourself to pick a partner that won't do that to you? I feel like it's both. Mm -hmm. But I feel like in the beginning, it's definitely me. Mm. And then I project that onto that person and then I blame them for Mm. why we didn't work out well if you would have just done this then I would have been fine or Mm -hmm. you know what I mean yeah and I do find myself picking people that are emotionally unavailable Mm. you know or unaware or unaware um and then when someone is emotionally available and does talk to me I'm not physically attracted to them so it's like that sucks yeah <laughs> dang it I mean there yeah. there is someone that I do care about deeply and mm-hmm. I he's great okay mm-hmm. but it's that wishy-washy thing I, I find him physically attractive mm-hmm. we can sit down and we can have a conversation about our emotions we can have a conversation about what is upsetting me and why it's upsetting me yeah. and he does not gaslight me he doesn't do like mm-hmm. he's fully there and he even told me he's like when I feel uncomfortable, I abandon and I like not abandon. I like, what's it called? Retreat. Withdraw. Withdraw. Yeah. And I withdraw from him for three days and I never talked to him. And he was just like, if I don't hear from you tonight, like I need to figure, like we need to figure this out because mm. he's like, I, I want to know what's upsetting you. I want to know why you're yeah. mad or why this, that, and the other. And it's like, I don't know why I'm that way. Hmm. And then we had the conversation and then I felt better. And I was like, okay, he is here to like actually listen yeah. and stuff. And I am physically attracted to him. And my therapist was just like, Rachel, he checks all the boxes that you want in a human being. Yeah. 
and then she, he's like well i just don't understand why you're not like why not pursue it mm-hmm. and the only thing i can think of is i am afraid to pursue it because of my child and i's father like mm-hmm. how he would take that i think that's the biggest thing and that's putting someone else's emotions over mine right so yeah, yeah that's what i'm going through right now spiritually yeah so it's it's hard because it's like at the end of the day i want to be happy and i know i can be yeah. happy with this person yeah but at the same time i don't want someone to be upset with me for choosing me hmm. which is sad to say that but now you say it like yeah now you're aware of it like it's you see that yeah i also told him like i don't plan on staying in michigan i've never stayed on stayed planned on staying in michigan yeah um, it's just not where my heart is. My soul is. It's just mm-hmm. not. I want to travel. I want to be in. I need warm weather. Yeah. This weather. <laughs> I know. It's horrible. It's really hard. Yeah. So the worst case scenario is that he's going to be like, no, Lennox is going to stay here with me. Mm. And then because I would have to get his permission in order to move. Right. Even though legally we're not through the court or anything like that. There's mm-hmm. no like, I don't want to do that. That's right. just not who I am. I, it's just I too much. Yeah. So... The worst case that can happen, the mm-hmm. worst thing that can happen is it doesn't happen. <laughs> I mean, is there any way that new dude, what's his bucket? Is there any way he could move? No. Oh, darn it. He's in the military. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Good thought. My husband is going back into the military. Stop. What branch? Army. Really? Yeah. He's Air Force. Okay. So he just got, he actually just moved back from, um, he was in Korea for a, a year. Mm, so he just he was moved. in Korea for the army. Yeah. He's just moved back. Wait, what's like, his <laughs> like what what's his bucket? <laughs> what? Oh, wait, except my friend's in the <laughs> army. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, but he's in, um, yeah, he's in Florida. So okay. I would have to move down there, which for mm. me. Oh, Florida. <laughs> right. Literally chef's, chef's kiss. kiss. Yeah. I'm like chef's <laughs> kiss and the amount of money I can make down there for what yeah. I do and my license transfers. And I could be able to travel back and forth. Like, my dream is to go in a warmer place. Yeah. Be a snow bunny. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, he's thinking. He wanted to retire with the military. And mm-hmm. he's thinking about moving out, like, getting out. Yeah. But th- with what he makes and his rank I, that he has. Well, right. And it's, how much his insurance. It's consistent. And, yeah. And it's safe. Yeah. And sometimes, like, those outweigh the riskier choices. Me, I'm just like, fuck it. Like right. I told him, I was like, if if I didn't have Lennox and I didn't have the job that I have, mm-hmm. I'm moving like, down there. Peace out. Literally, yes. I'm packing my fucking bag last yeah. month and moving. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna have one suitcase mm-hmm. and I'm driving down. Like, yeah. So, it's it's nice to find someone that we like. We just genuinely connect. Yeah. And we always have. But what's really crazy is who's he was my very first boyfriend. When I was 16. Oh, my gosh. And we're very compatible. He's a Libra. We're very compatible. That's so so fun. It's also, too, like, we have tried to rekindle it multiple times throughout life. life, And it just never was the right time. Mm. And just one day I reached out to him, and then we just started having a conversation. And then, like, I still have love for him, and I still care about him. Absolutely. He's my very first love. Mm. Yeah, it's nice. Lord. And it's just, like, and it's... It's one of those things where it's familiar. Yeah. I don't have. It's safe. And it's very safe. Yeah. 
like I know at the end of the day like I would not have to worry about anything with him and yeah. that's what's nice and I told my therapist about this and he's like so why are you demeaning it still mm-hmm. and I'm like so how would you I mean the only thing that's holding you back is your mm-hmm. is Lennox's dad mm-hmm. how could I mean you know him pretty well I presume well yeah. enough yeah so to speak yeah how could you talk to him in a way that sets you both up for success? Like not buttering him up or like being manipulative, but like how can you talk to him to help him see that this is the best thing for everyone involved? Because my perspective is like right now you're modeling the best that you can a life for Lennox that is enjoyable for you and his dad, Mm -hmm. but you're not together. Correct. So what relationship is being modeled to your son? Whereas you go down to Florida and Lennox gets to see this healthy, safe, secure attachment, loving relationship Mm -hmm. and realizes like, oh, that's something that I can have in the future. Yeah. I mean, is Lennox's dad the type to where he could see that perspective and realize like for the highest good, you know? Lennox's dad doesn't think that I'm mentally stable enough to Mm. make a decision for myself is how I feel yeah I'm not gonna say that that's how it is but that's how I feel in the situation your perception yeah Yeah. and basically what's his bucket said that he feels as if if I were to come down there and Lennox were to see a healthy relationship and all that that his father would slowly start to distance himself Mm. because it wouldn't be as convenient as what it is now well right yeah and which saddens me yeah because that's his dad right you know what i mean yeah but at the same time lennox also deserves to see a loving his mom be loved yeah yeah and i'm just i'm deserving of love you and i deserve that yeah so it's hard either way. It's just a matter of which hard you're going to choose. Yeah. Hi, everyone. It's Rachel popping on. Just to let you guys know, um, this is the end of the first half of this podcast. Um, if you are interested in listening to the second half, you're more than welcome to just continue listening after this little brief ad. <laughs> um, the second half of this podcast episode is going to be Regan's birth story. So if you are interested in listening to the rest of the podcast, feel free to just keep keep listening after this little ad break. Uh, the podcast is about an hour and 40 minutes long. So just so you know, um, the closing w- end will be at the very end. If you are interested in any of Regan's services or you can go right on her website. It's called healingthroughholism.com. Um, And you can book a consultation there. So continue listening. And I can't wait for you guys to hear this crazy, insane story um, that this mother went through. So here it is. You had a baby. You have two. I have two babies. Yeah, Two babies. Two boys. So tell me. How old is Lennox? Two and a half. Okay. Yeah. My older is three and a a half. So I was like, maybe they could be a You have three and a half and a one year old? I do. Absolutely not. No, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, How do you do it, girl? Uh, you're like i'm just i am doing lots of inner child work and reparenting every damn day yeah Mm -hmm. um so with that yeah how was your birthing experience with both of them and how were they Mm -hmm. different 
Oh, so different. So different. So my oldest, his name's Mateo. He's three and a half. So cute. He's so cute. He's fresh. Feisty. Love it. <laughs> He's feisty. What's his sign? He is a Cancer Leo cusp. Okay. Well. He was born two months early. Girl. Like, he said, I'm going to be a fucking Cancer and a Leo. It's so funny. Even <laughs> in seriously. And my my younger one, he's a Scorpio Sag cusp. Aww. He is. I feel like they're the sweetest. I'm sorry, he's, but they have Sages a little. Sages are sweet. Yeah. Scorpios are feisty. And yeah. Since he's right on the cusp, he's got so much. He's yeah. only one and I can already tell. I'm like, <laughs> what? Um, but even their pregnancies were different. Like Mateo's pregnancy, he was so active in the womb, like constantly moving with samuel i'd be like waking him up inside like, and i'm oh, like hello. i have such a gig in like hours <laughs> you still there and like oh outside of the womb they're totally i think it's like they're they're the same kid that they were inside obviously yeah um but mateo was like was supposed to be born in september and he like he was just so anxious and even now like he's so high energy he's so strong-willed like he is just so sensitive in all of the best ways and all of the hardest like most triggering ways for me as well because I am a very sensitive human being who I had four brothers growing up and we were homeschooled and so there was just a lot of there was a lot going on so if I had really big emotional moments like yeah I would be invited (laughs) requested yeah literally to leave (laughs) so that I wasn't disruptive see that is that makes me so sad for you. Me too. But as a parent now, I'm like, I totally get why you would need to do that for your mental health as a parent and yeah. for, like, the health of everyone else. Like, go else. to your room. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, like, now as I'm parenting my own kids, like, when Mateo has these big moments, I'm like, 25% of the time, maybe maybe 15% of the time, I'm like, I just need you to stop. Oh, yeah. Like, I need you to stop screaming in my face. If you're going to keep screaming, like, go to another room. Like, yeah. I, that's me the, uh, 87% like, of the time no, yeah and the other part of the time is like wow this is really hard for you like you must be feeling something really big inside like it's okay to cry mm-hmm. it's okay to scream it's okay to be mad you want to punch this pillow right here he I feel always you, says bro. no but I'm like that would be so beneficial if you just punched literally the pillow, I promise <laughs> like please just scream into the pillow and he's like I don't want to fine <laughs> And he's like, it's okay for me to cry. And I'm like, I know it is. <laughs> so you're both yelling at each other saying, just cry. Yes! It's okay. Oh, my gosh. So his birth experience, this is when we were living in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, I was about to start my final semester. And it was the day before my husband's birthday. So even throughout Mateo's pregnancy, I was severely sick. Like, I lost, I don't know, 13 pounds and was nauseous for four and a half five six months straight and I hemorrhaged twice like I didn't we didn't announce to the public that I was pregnant until five and a half months because I didn't know if the pregnancy was gonna stick oh my god and it's when I had my first personal like womb healing experience after I'd been bleeding for three months straight and I was just like womb get fucking right (laughs) well I was more like I don't know what to do for you anymore I know Fix you yourself. know exactly what to do. <laughs> yeah. So do it. Yeah. Like I can't do anything else except believe that you know exactly how you're supposed to keep this baby. Mm-hmm. So do it. Mm-hmm. And then I stopped bleeding like that Shut day. Shut the front it's door. Nuts. And I was like, what? I'm like, you're what? like, I am God. Seriously, <laughs> I was like, 
is this the power that like people have been trying to keep me from uh so that's when a lot of my questioning started happening (laughs) but anyway so mateo's birth i had a friend who was visiting from the mainland is what we call it the the continental u.s (laughs) She was visiting. My husband was at work, and I stood up from the couch, and there was blood on the pillow. And I was like, oh, I'm hemorrhaging again. Like, so annoyed. I was like, this is the third time. You're like, womb, we already had this conversation. I'm like eight months pregnant to the day. Eight months. 32 God. weeks. I'm like, I'm so annoyed by this. So I go to the bathroom. And now, hindsight, my water broke. But there was a lot of blood which is not my, like, on TV, you don't really see when water breaking that there's blood that comes out. And right. eventually, as you progress through labor, yeah, there's going to be blood that comes out. Right. But that's not the norm. And I was passing, like, massive blood clots, like, the size of my fist. And I was Stop. like, oh, I'm hemorrhaging again. Like, this is so annoying. Like, this is the third time I'll have to go to the hospital for this pregnancy, specifically for hemorrhages. And they'll put me on bed rest. So I call my husband, and I'm like... Are you like, are you on your way home? Like, we got to go to the hospital. I'm hemorrhaging again. She's like, no big deal. Just so annoyed. <laughs> You're like, I'm just uh, so annoyed. Literally, I was like, we got to go to the hospital again. Here we go. <laughs> and I, the funny thing about all of this, I was so calm. I'd been meditating every single morning for eight months. Like, I was, I was in. You were the, in like, the zone. I was like, hypnobirthing was like, that's what I was planning to do. Yeah. Hypnobirth. And, I had the hardest time picking out what I was going to wear. <laughs> and what came, what I decided on was a t-shirt of some sort and then black leggings, which was very beneficial. Okay. Because I think if I'd worn anything else and we'd seen how much blood I was losing, we would have been a lot more concerned. So what we didn't know at the time is that my placenta ruptured. Shut. So it detached from my uterine wall, which is what it does after it delivers a baby and leaves a dinner dinner plate size wound in your uterus to heal. And it had tried to deliver itself first. So it blocked the exit. I was in zero pain, but I was bleeding out essentially from my uterus. And we lived an hour from the hospital that I was supposed to give birth in. So we didn't know this at the time. But we were driving to the hospital, and my husband took a wrong turn, and I knew that there wasn't going to be a turnaround for about 15 minutes. So I was like, you know what? I, I told him. At this point, I had put my – what was going on? I knew that I was bleeding a lot, and so I'd, like, pulled my knees up onto the – or, like, my feet up onto the chair, the seat, whatever. And I was like, you know, um, how about you just call the birthing center and just let him know that we're on the way. Like, I'm 32 weeks. I'm – was I 25 26 at the time I don't remember I'm 28 now I was 25 I just turned 25 32 weeks along passing blood clots the size of my fist I'm like just tell him that that's all they need to know and uh, he was trying to make this phone call but then we're going through the tunnels in the mountains so we have zero self-service and I told him I was like um I'm gonna pass out so I just need you to call the birthing center. Like, I can tell She's I'm about to pass out. She's hypnobirthed right up. So you're like, I'm going to pass out right now. I'm going to pass out. I was like, I can feel myself. I'm going to pass out. Um, I was like, I'm really, really hot. Like, I broke out in a cold sweat. And um, I passed out. And I could tell that he was going faster because I could feel, like, I could sense the lights in the tunnel start to go by faster. So I could tell that he had accelerated significantly. And I remember thinking, 
it's okay if you take that emergency like turnaround but like what's the worst that can happen like we'll just get an escort a police escort for breaking the law I thought I said that to him but I didn't and so by the time I woke up I was like hey you should just take that turnaround like we'll just get a police escort and he's like I already turned around so I passed out for like a straight 15 minutes stop and he said it looked like I was almost seizing like my eyelids were fluttering and so we had he had already turned around come back like done a 15 minute drive and by the time he got on the phone with the hospital they're like we'll pull over we'll like we'll send an ambulance he's like i'm i will get to the hospital before the ambulance gets to me and so we drove and i i finally woke up i was finally able to put my feet up on the dashboard and eventually we make it to the hospital this nurse is like walking out and my husband like doesn't even like park i mean he's trying to get inside but doesn't want to leave me alone but this nurse was walking out at the perfect time he's like can you just stay with my wife and she comes to the car and she stands next to me she's like how are you and i was like i'm okay like i'm 25 i'm 32 weeks along i'm passing blood clots the size of my fist and i passed out on the way here and she's like it's okay like we're gonna like you're gonna be okay so they bring out a wheelchair they get me in they're doing all these tests on me i've had zero pain this whole time and i'm just which like, is so weird i didn't know i was in labor i just thought i was hemorrhaging like, again and so i show up my midwife was there and thank god it, there are so many synchronicities in this story like it would take like two podcast episodes to talk about how many synchronicities leading up to this experience to make it exactly what needed to happen for me and mateo to survive like it's nuts so we get to the hospital my midwife just happens to be there she had just gotten back from the other hospital she was at and she told me that i it was amniotic fluid like my water had broken i was you're in, like this is not they're like are you having contractions and i was like no nah. and they're like you're I having one right now and i was like really she's like yeah your contractions are a minute and a half apart Shut and i was like that's like freaking active labor man that's you didn't like, feel not a damn thing. No, nope. my Nothing. belly tightened. That's all I felt, like what a Braxton Hicks feels like. And I remember my mom saying, like, she never had pain in her contractions either. Must be goddamn nice. <laughs> well, I, like, trained myself. I was planning to birth without pain, yes. essentially. Yep. So, like, I'd read all the books. I'd yep. done all the hypnobirthing. Mm -hmm. My mom's like, my my births weren't ever really painful. Um, Did you have bad periods? Like, do you have bad periods? I don't anymore. Did you? I did growing up. See, and I think that's why it's not that painful. No, in my opinion, my I feel periods like, were like debilitating. Yeah. Well, no, I'm saying that's why I feel like birth was birth not wasn't that bad. No. Because I feel like people that have very very bad period cramps. Yes. Birthing, they don't feel right. like contractions. Right. They're like, ah, eh, it's a cramp. Yeah. Me, I never had cramps. I never have cramps. Oh, God. This shit. Oh my gosh, girl. I could it's not. Intense. It's I intense. Yeah. Could fucking not i know i know i couldn't so with mateo Girl. i felt zero pain okay but i was in active labor but i think part of what it was is that my body was in such shock yeah i couldn't feel a damn thing no you're like Other i passed than, out like, yeah for 15 minutes so took a little siesta they yeah literally <laughs> got my rest up i'm ready <laughs> like i'm so ready they're to like, birth we're gonna child. give you some magnesium like they were like we're gonna give you antibiotics i don't know they like gave me so many shots in like my leg and my butt i did and I remember that, like, not being pleasant. Um, but they're like, we're going to give you some magnesium to try and slow down your labor. Because you're going home with a baby. I don't know if it's, like, 
you're not going home without a baby. Okay. But we're going to try and stop the labor so that you have but more But you're going to go home with the baby. Yeah. <laughs> at this point. It's like, okay. Um, so then they had to transfer me to another hospital because I was too, I was too early to give birth outside of a hospital that didn't have a NICU. Oh, I was about to say that they didn't have a NICU then. Right. And so the, and the thing about Hawaii, Oahu has this extra highway, but it's closed to the public often because, um, of the road conditions. So the ambulance was able to get permission, but my husband had to take our car and the long way the long way but we didn't know how serious all of this was because i was just so chill just like everything's fine whatever like pep talking like (laughs) i am a goddess everything is fine and he had come straight home from work and didn't have time for dinner so he hadn't eaten all day so he's like do you mind like if i go get food i was like go for it like you haven't eaten i'm like no two hours you can literally right eat your goddamn spit (laughs) you're goddamn following me that's what i'm (laughs) But I had zero pain, and I knew I was in good hands. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, like, go get yourself taken care of. Like, this is going to be a long night. Yeah. Um, In the ambulance, I had two male paramedics. They were so nice. I don't remember their names, and I wish I did. But um, they had me on magnesium. And I just remember talking to them and being like, hey, um, I'm going to pass out again. I'm just letting you know. And they're like, okay, okay. we're going to take you off the magnesium. And I remember one of them, like, putting his hands on my chest and, like, putting pressure on my sternum. And he being like, so, um, do you know if you're having a boy or a girl? Like, looking back, they were, like, trying to keep me awake, like, trying to keep me alive. So he was just trying to keep me conscious. And so he was having a full-length conversation with me and, like, asking about baby plans. How did you feel in that moment? I didn't realize the severity of it. Did you feel like you were in, like, a dream? Or did you feel, like, tired? Just tired. And I just knew I was going to pass out again. I'm exhausted. Yeah. And I was getting lightheaded and I was like, I'm going to pass out again. I'm just letting you know because I know what that feels like on my body. Right. I'm going to pass out. So they stopped the magnesium, which is to relax your body because magnesium helps you process stress. Right. It's a relaxant. Right. Um, so they took me off of it, which meant I was going to progress in labor, but there's no baby. There's no exit for the baby to come out. Because the placenta is blocking but it. But they didn't know that at the time. So this next hospital we get to and... They're, like, trying to figure out how much blood I've lost. Like, they're tracking pads full of blood. Like, I was bleeding so much. And. Like, worse than, like, a gunshot or something. Or, like, being cut I off. mean, I'm trying to think of, like, by the end of it, a couple of liters. How many liters of blood is in your body? Well, when you're pregnant, it doubles. You have double blood. Damn. Yeah. Because you guys, you, you well, at least you had some to exactly. lose. Exactly. Like, you're like, you yeah. lose some during labor anyway. <laughs> oh um, my God. New weight loss diet. <laughs> gosh. Get pregnant. Don't eat. Literally. All the time. Literally. Oh so my rough. God. So, um, so yeah. So they were able to finally, f- they took an ultrasound and they're like, did they ever tell you that your placenta was, what did they say? anterior anterior and i was like no it's on the right side and they're like okay well we're waiting for some tests to come back but if they come back positive then um you'll have a c-section like immediately and i was like okay so the tests come back positive they see that the placenta has moved its way over my vaginal canal like because it's fucking detached yeah it's not attached anymore and that's where all the blood and the blood clots are coming from is my placenta um so they told my husband had arrived to the hospital just minutes before all the stuff came back all the tests 
and my doctor who I was supposed to meet like two months later <laughs> meets my husband in the hallway and is like I don't know that we'll be able to stop the bleeding if if um like without also removing her uterus and he was like oh my gosh like what so they told my husband this outside of the room and then they came in and told me like hey by the way like this is your first this is my first so they're like if we can't stop the bleeding then we'll need to do a hysterectomy and i just straight up look at the doctor and i say do what you gotta do doctor (laughs) (laughs) she's hypnobirth right up and like i want whatever you were doing (laughs) i remember the doctor like kind of like side glancing my husband but like if you can't stop the bleeding i want to live right like why would i want to take it yeah i'll keep my fertility and die and not live for this child right but that wasn't going on in my mind i'm just like you're just just like do what you gotta do yep do what you gotta do so they come in they give me an um an epidural immediately and a catheter before i'm fully numbed because they're doing it quick well yeah that was like the most unpleasant because that's that's the first moment i felt fear was when they were coming in to do the epidural. I really? Was like, because I did not plan on an epidural. I planned on an all unmedicated birth. Yeah. So I was like, that is a big fucking deal. Like, I didn't look at not a damn thing. It's hollow. They put this hollow thing in your look, back. Girl, I got an epidural. I didn't look at a damn yeah. thing. So they do that. They give me a catheter. They give me this nasty, like, it tasted like rubbing alcohol mixed with grape medicine. They're like, you need to drink this. It will protect your lungs in case you aspirate on the operating table. You're like, so I take it. I'm like, this is disgusting. I'm like, like I what a great like, shot. Gagged. And I've never had a drink in my life. I've never had a shot. So I'm like, is this what this is like? Girl. <clears throat> so then they wheel me into the OR. I tell them, hey, I'm going to throw up. And they're like, um, she is a psychic. <laughs> mind you. They're like, we just gave her like this shot of medicine so that she doesn't throw up. I'm like, I'm going to throw up. Um, and they're like, oh, uh, hold on. So they like, come bring me this. I don't I think it might have been a bedpan, to be honest. <laughs> and I throw up into it. And I'm like, can I have some water? They're like, I'm so sorry. No, because I'm going into surgery. So stupid. I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, I'm like, can you just wipe my tongue off then, please? <laughs> so they bring over a wet paper towel and wipe off my tongue. Her only request was, can you wipe my tongue off, <laughs> like, please? Ridiculous. <laughs> And then I roll over and everything goes black. Stop. My husband's perspective outside of the OR, they'd given him scrubs so that he could come in. Right. He's outside and the alarms start going off and he sees a large team of doctors running down the hall, scrubbing in and talking about the 32-weeker with a, like... So he has PTSD from that. Oh, I'm sure. So he said, fuck it, let's do it again. (laughs) Seriously. He was very nervous because I picked a home birth for our second. Oh, God. Yeah. And after was, all that? Well, so I woke up in the midst of them, in the midst of my surgery, my C-section. It literally was plugged in. <laughs> I'm like, what? what time is it? Oh, shit. Um, <clears throat> is it good now? Yeah. Okay. So I wake up. I can tell that they're like tugging, but I don't feel anything. And at that point I wake up and I realize like my husband is sitting behind my shoulder. And I, I look over at him and I say, I just woke up from the best 
map of my entire life. I love and how he nonchalant like, you are with this whole entire thing. He was like, oh. He told me, I was thinking to myself, she's not supposed to be asleep. So I, I had passed out again, and my heart rate dropped, and so did Mateo's. So they, like, like literally just cut me open. So my scar is a little bit crooked. Like, it's a it's not like a jagged line but the beginning is higher than the end like it's just a diagonal it's a slightly diagonal line um and then i i was just going in and out i think my husband said that i told him that i loved him at some point but i have no recollection of that um but i do remember like waking up at some point looking on the other side of the room and seeing this large team of doctors like their backs and thinking oh he must be over there referencing mateo yeah we hadn't named him at that point though i i knew his name was going to be mateo um but i was waiting to see his face to confirm and so they brought him over to me at some point they like looked over and they're like oh she's awake so they brought over mateo to me and i couldn't speak full sentences like and I didn't really realize that. But the only thing I could say was, baby, baby boy, aw, baby. And he was so tiny. Aww. Like his head was the size of a tennis ball. Stop. Like tiny, tiny. Oxygen. He had him, they had him on an oxygen tube and a feeding tube, um, like strapped to his face. So his whole face was like covered in wires. But I could see his eyes. And he was known in the NICU for having really big eyes. He has big eyes even now. Aww. And me and my husband both have big eyes. So our yeah. kids just got big eyes. Right. <clears throat> but um, we both survived. And I spent a couple of hours in the recovery room. And because we were in Hawaii, we were six hours behind. So I could call all my family here in Michigan. Yeah. And give them an update. And I called my best friend. And I don't really remember the conversation. Because I was still, like, trying to, like, you know, be conscious and recover from massive amounts of blood loss. Yeah. <clears throat> and she was like... I knew something was wrong because you never call me. We only like Facebook message back and forth because she'd already had her first kid. We were pregnant at the same time. She was eight and a half or nine months pregnant when I gave birth to Mateo. She was supposed to give birth before me. Um, but I was like, oh, I just had Mateo. <laughs> I'd already texted like all my bosses. And anyway, um, but Mateo spent five and a half weeks in the NICU and it was an hour away. We drove every stop. I think there was one day where I didn't go to the NICU. And it was just like, I, I don't even remember when it was, but he spent five and a half weeks in the NICU. We had the best nurse. We call her Auntie Steph. Aww. We're like still tight to this day. But that was Mateo's birth experience. That's and crazy. And then Samuel's much shorter. So Mateo was born at 32 weeks. Yep. Samuel was born at 41. <laughs> Just like even even that, I had zero stretch marks from Mateo's pregnancy, because he'd never he'd never yeah. gone big enough. And with Samuel's, it was it wasn't until week forty, and then once week forty hit, it was like instantly like my whole my skin was just so stretched tight, and it was like deep. I was like, this is really interesting. Like I'm itchy, and he dropped early. Mm. And so even now, like, I've been through pelvic floor therapy and physical therapy to, like, address my pubic bone separation. Yeah. Because um, you're very was, petite. I am. I have a short torso, yes. which means babies have nowhere to grow but out, out. Yep. and down. Yeah. And it hurt. So with Samuel, it was 
a Monday, and it's ironic. So Mateo was born seven minutes before my husband's birthday. Wow. So my husband's also a cancer, Leo Cusk. He was born on the 22nd of Bless July. Your heart. Mateo's on the 21st. And we joked on the way. They're like, wouldn't it be so funny if Mateo was born on your birthday? We'd have to name him after you. And Mateo was like, I don't want my dad's name. Like, I will have my own. I'll come seven minutes before. <laughs> um, and with Samuel, he was – my labor started on my husband's father's birthday. And you can actually make, um, like, a junior or the third. Yes. It doesn't have to be in the same generation. So, like, my husband's father had a son born on his birthday, named after him, named him Junior. And so we were – if – Samuel was born on my husband's father's birthday and his oldest brother's birthday. He was going to be Jorge Alfonso Rios the third. Wow, that is a name, isn't it? That I was like, please no. <laughs> so when my labor started on the twenty second of November, I was like, you best wait this out, boy. <laughs> yeah. like, Alfonso, stay in there. Um, and he was born five hours after the birthday so he was born on the 23rd of november um but my labor with him like i'd been feeling low back pain all day just like relatively uncomfortable and mm -hmm. i was like i think this is gonna happen today or tomorrow uh, my water broke at like normal water 8 p.m at my house i texted my midwives they said okay just like keep us updated let me know when the contractions start to get closer together so at about 10 30 i think the contractions were starting to get about four minutes apart five minutes apart um, one midwife lived here in Midland and so she drove over to me immediately and then the other one was coming from a different city. You had him, you had him here? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So, so yeah. So now we're in Michigan. <laughs> With, we're in Michigan. We're in Michigan. Unfortunately. Samuel was born in Michigan. Um, I, my labor was eight hours start to finish water breaking to delivery for the first six hours I was at home because my torso is so short. At that six-hour mark, they couldn't keep track of my heart rate versus Samuel's. And so my midwife said, you know, um, they have more advanced technology at the hospital. Mm. We're going to we're gonna transfer you over there to prevent any emergencies. And how did you feel? Instantly, my body was like, I know what it's like to give birth at a hospital. And it's trauma response. And it said, I'm about to get this kid out of here within three it seconds. Was <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Um at that point that I had I didn't have any fear up until that point mm -hmm. and so then I started to feel pain I hadn't had any pain any fear I was just like okay like I'm getting ready for this like I was so excited mm -hmm. we'd like waterproofed my bed like I was oh, gonna perfect. give birth in my bathtub wow. all of it that's I, amazing like, we were gonna wake up Mateo so he could be there like it was gonna Aww. be yeah so like I still um but then we get to the hospital I was like in the midst of transition and yes, this is a very long chat. Oh yeah, yeah. I told you it goes on, <laughs> it goes on forever. I love it, but it's good though. Um, but we get there, and I'm in the midst of transition, and I look at my midwife. She's there with me. My husband, I don't know where he was. He was like maybe doing getting paperwork or something, or parking the car. Um. And I said, what would it look like moving forward if I chose to have a C-section? Because I, I knew how to recover from a C-section. Right. You already did. Been there, I'd already that. done it. Yeah. I'd already done it. And my midwife was like, why do you want a C-section? I was like, I don't know. 
I never had a kid vaginally. And she was like, is it because you feel out of control? I said, yeah. Yeah. She's like, that's okay. Like this whole, like this whole situation is going to be out of your control. Childbirth is out of your control. Right. She said, you can make whatever noises you want to make. And that was one of the moments where I like, I tapped into like the most primal instincts. Like I've never felt like more of a woman. Really? Than when I was just tuning everything else out and focusing on focusing on birthing and making whatever noises I wanted. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't care about people hearing me. I was not caring to answer any of the ridiculous questions they were asking me, like what my address was, how far along I was. I was like, I have this midwife right here and I have this husband right here who helped create this baby who knows my address. Right. Like, ask him. Right. Like, piss off. Right. <laughs> like, like, I'm trying to literally shit a kid out right now. And like, I, stop asking so me what the annoying. color of the sky is. Yes. <laughs> and I had a doctor and I don't remember his name, but I don't like him. I did not like my experience with him. Midland? Yes, Midmish. Oh. Yep. I'm a Covenant girl. Nice. I've heard good things about Covenant. Mm-hmm. I have Dr. Hilbron. He's mm, freaking amazing. Good. He's so good. He let um my only birth birthing request yeah. was that Lamont's hands were to be the first hands to touch Lennox. And he let him. But he had to find two X gloves because Lamont's hands are so big. <laughs> and the nurse comes running in. I found him. I found him. So That's that was so like. sweet. Yeah, he was great. I love yeah, that. He was great. I had a lot of things like that that I anticipated for my home birth. Oh, my not God. Yeah. Having to have it written down to tell my doctor. Yeah. In a hospital. Yeah. So there were some things that like just didn't happen. Mateo's birth. My husband cut his cord. Um, yeah. And after Samuel was born, they asked if Alex wanted to cut my uh, Samuel's cord. And he said, oh, no, because <laughs> he had just watched this whole process. <laughs> um. But I progressed pretty quickly by the time, like, start to finish at the hospitals, like, an hour and 45 minutes before I birthed Samuel. And I remember my midwife, at one point, she was like, okay, it's about to get a little burny, she said. Oh, yeah, the ring of fire. The ring of fire. And I just remember she put her hand on my forehead and she said, just relax. And I just remember, like, instantly relaxing and just thinking, okay, I can handle a little bit of fire. Like, I can handle a little bit of a burn. And she was right. It was a little burny. Like, it was intense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tore. Like, I had a second degree tear. Oh. Um, but I was also not in the birthing position that I wanted to be in. You also and didn't prepare yourself. I didn't prepare myself for a hospital birth. Yeah. So I was just, like, kind of out of sorts. And um, they pulled over a mirror for me to see when Samuel was crowning, which was really cool. Girl, no. They're, They're like, like, Rachel, here, try to feel down there. I said, fuck that. I don't get him out of me. I don't care what he feels like. I don't know. Just literally get him out of me. That's so funny. <laughs> and I was just like, so I had, I have a mentor. Her name is Victoria Washington, and she has a mantra. It's called body leads, mind follows. And I'd been working with her for about a year and a half at that point, maybe two years. And it was just, that was what I'd been telling myself during the whole time is like, I'm, I'm just a witness to what my body knows how to do. Mm -hmm. My body's going to lead. And if I detach my brain enough to be a witness, I won't try to control this in a way that's going to cause more fear, tension, and pain. Right. So I just was like, my body leads, mind follows. Body leads, mind follows. So I just was like trying to listen to my body amidst all of the hospital noises and the doctors and the nurses. Like, um, 
And so they pulled over the mirror and I could see Samuel's head crowning. And before he was, you know, I kept trying to push him out. And I looked at my husband. I said, he has your big head. <laughs> like, How big was his head? I don't remember, but it's a big head. Lennox's like, was, I think they said it was 13 inches round. Yeah. Like big head. Yeah. Big ass. So head. anyway, I birthed Samuel. He had a, sh- a little bit of a shorter cord, which we knew about like, oh, okay. from his ultrasound. Yeah. Um, so it was tight. Like it was the, my favorite part almost about all of it was like feeling Samuel on my chest and then feeling the cord tight. Yeah. Like it was tight across my vulva. Like I could feel it up against, like pushing up against right. me because it was so much shorter. Right. And I just remember thinking like, this is the coolest thing I've ever done. Yeah. And um, then my husband said that the doctor pulled my placenta out. So then I started to hemorrhage. Again again here we They're go like, again oh she's hemorrhaging like give her some stuff to stop the bleeding while i stitch her up i'm like You're like did you not hear my first birthing story <laughs> no he did didn't you not know, know who anything i was <laughs> literally didn't know who i was but also like it's it's hospital practice to pull a placenta out yeah before it's ready yeah it's the dumbest thing so there i was like having the shakes <laughs> because my placenta just got ripped out of my body so not nearly as traumatic in the same sense, but there was So more... you didn't deliver your placenta? No, he pulled it out. Literally. So it got detached from my uterine wall prematurely again. But I had delivered my child first this time. Girl. So there's more anger around that birth experience than around Mateo's. Mateo's, I was like, chill. I'm like, yeah, save me and my son. You're like, pull my uterus. <laughs> <laughs> if you need to. <laughs> Um, so like my relationship with allopathic medicine is like, you are the reason I'm here. Like, I'm so glad that hospitals exist. And also you piss me off. Yeah. Because you're so unnecessary for so many other things. Yeah. Um, so I've got a good respect for it and also a good righteous rage for it too. Do you feel like they need to like basically keep up with their like trainings and they're like the new age, not new age medicine because it's been around fucking ever, but like more of the holistic like approach when it comes to certain things? Well, with Like the delayed cord cutting and Yeah. So, I mean, the thing is like with pregnancy, like 80% of women literally need zero interventions that includes like cervical checks doesn't matter how far like how dilated you are that tells you nothing because you can undilate and close back up it doesn't tell you how far along you are in labor it will not give you any hindsight into how soon you will you will deliver a baby so cervical checks are not necessary um pushing on the belly is not necessary technically ultrasounds aren't really necessary except if you're trying to catch defects right but if you're a low risk pregnancy with no prior history of complications like there's you no just reason on it and just there's a there is a a society of women called free birthers they literally just birth at their homes with no help because they know that their body is literally made to do that that's what my chiropractor does yeah she's on her second kid of yes. home birthing they're and very very like yeah. very holistic and, that very, was my and plan. i love that see i wanted well, to do that but i was the the midway with my previous birth experience and my husband's fears mm-hmm. you know after his experience he's like you can't just do it on your own he's like i can't like 
I can't handle that. Well, right. What if something goes wrong? Well, right. And I'm like, fair enough. Yeah. So I'm like, great. We've got this team of midwives. Both of them previously had worked in Western medicine fields. Yeah. So we felt really good about them. And they were perfect for the experience that we ended up having. Um, but if everyone just followed the body leads, mind follows mantra. Yeah. <laughs> including doctors, like... I could have delivered Samuel without your hands up my vagina Mm -hmm. or without you pulling my placenta out just fine. Right. So just because now I'm here in this building doesn't give you the The right right to pull an organ out of my body before Mm -hmm. my body does it on its own because it knows exactly what to do and when to do it and Mm -hmm. it doesn't need you to do it for me. Yeah. Um, So I think it would be beneficial (laughs) for them to have a refresher on the fact that Women have been giving birth for forever. centuries, literally before forever. gynecology ever came around, yeah. and it was because of midwives, right? Because it was of medicine women, right? And if they just kept that in mind, like he said, stupid things like, "Wow, I can't believe you're handling this so well without medication." I'm like, "Thanks, I guess." <laughs> like that's a backhanded comment, but like. Thanks. I'm sorry you haven't had enough experience to watch other women get to like birth children. Like, why are you here? Yeah, that's like, really crazy. You're to me. so unnecessary in this situation. So was I'm, he older? No, really. He was like, he was younger, like probably mid to late thirties. Stop. But kind of pious too, and new, obviously. Like my midwife looked him up. She's like, yeah, he's a new one. I don't very really like, like him. textbook. Yeah, you think? And I'm, yeah, just like. Well, just so used to society where women are detached from their bodies and they have been taught and led to believe that they need to go to someone else yeah, to tell them what to do with their body. Yeah. A society where we don't trust our bodies because we've never learned how to talk to them and how to listen to them. Or our motherly instincts. And it, what's so dumb is like they'll tell you like oh like listen to your motherly instincts. But then when you tell them about your motherly instincts, they're like oh no, you're, you're, that, that's normal. You're wrong. And you're like, I'm like, um, no, pretty sure like with Mateo, um, he had a vaccine reaction. Like he went limp in my arms. Yeah, no. And we lived an hour from the hospital. It had been, he was probably like four months old. So he was home at that point. But I remember my husband was at work. We shared a car. We lived an hour away from the hospital. And I remember calling. It was like a day after his vaccines or something. And I was like, my baby's like limp in my arms. They're like, oh, lethargy's normal. And I was like, he's like limp in my arms. Like I can't wake him up. And they're like, well, try and put a damn cloth on him. Like he'll be okay. Just let us know. And I was like, uh, no. So you've literally told me to trust my instincts. And now you're telling me that my instincts are wrong. So no wonder we have so many people in this society who are not, this goes back to masculine and feminine balance. We don't even know who we are enough mm-hmm. to trust ourselves. Right. We trust everyone else outside of us. Yep. Um, and so that, you know, kind of <laughs> gave me a lot of momentum to continue on my healing and education journey when it came to trusting myself more than other people, including doctors. Yeah. While also still having a really beautiful respect for the fact that I wouldn't be alive without that. Oh, my God. Yeah, of course. So <clears throat> I don't vaccinate my children. Yeah, no, me either. And I'm good on that. Yeah. And I I didn't get the COVID vaccine. 
absolutely fucking not. And can't do it. I'm like, I don't even get the flu vaccine. So. I don't either. They kept telling I've me. I've never NICU, gotten the flu and never gotten a flu vaccine. And I was vaccinated all growing up. Like I'm the only person in my family to date right now, except and me and my little boys are the only ones that do not have the COVID vaccine. I don't want to turn into a zombie. <sighs> yeah. There's a lot of things I don't want to do. So those are the differences in their birth experiences. Um, I'm never getting pregnant again. My pregnancies are very hard. Yeah. Um, and I'm never giving birth again. Would you have a surrogate? No. Recovering from birth was too much for me on both ends of the spectrum. Okay. Giving birth itself, easy. Yeah, I'd do that again. I don't want to recover from it ever again, though. Yeah. Um, and pregnancy, I'm just mean. Really? I'm mean to my boys. And I know that enough now. Yeah. Like, my body's just so depleted. I don't have it in me to be anything but alive. And I don't want both of my boys to be old enough for their conscious and subconscious mind to latch on to the fact that their mom's a monster Mm -hmm. just for the sake of giving them another sibling. Yeah. So, I still have my uterus. I have my tubes. Like, everything is intact. But I also track my cycle. I know exactly when I'm fertile and ovulating. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... And I will. I do not ever plan on being pregnant ever again. I I would be a surrogate. Yeah. I love being pregnant. Giving birth, I pushed them out in seventeen minutes. <sighs> seventeen minutes, five pushes, never tore. Wow. Nothing. That's beautiful. Nothing. Like it was great, but I was like, okay, obviously there's. Okay, it's too easy. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And I had severe postpartum depression mm-hmm. on the borderline suicidal. Yeah. So it was bad. Yeah. But also, I think it was also the partner that I was with, too. Right. That contributes to that. So. And then you look at, like, nutritional deficiencies, too. Mm-hmm. Like, they talk about the fourth trimester. Like, mm-hmm. you literally, like, laying in bed with your baby all day long, just breastfeeding all day long. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't an ideal world, right? Mm-hmm. Ideally, you'd be laying in your bed all day long. People would be bringing you really nourishing, like, nutrient-dense foods to help your body heal this dinner plate sized wound in your uterus mm-hmm. while your organs go back into place and you bond with your baby and cluster feed all day long every day for six weeks fourth trimester but how much of society actually gets to do that like it's such a privilege yeah and it was so, a privilege when i had my son yeah because i had to be off for four and a half months because it was covid that's so nice my perfectly timed yeah my birth like like well his due date was march 26th 2020 oh, shit and he came april 3rd Aww. so he was 41 one wow but the only reason why he came is because i told her to sweep my membranes mm-hmm. two hours later i started contracting wow contractions can't fucking do that after 15 hours of mm-hmm. in and out of the tub trying to do what i was like give me epidural mm-hmm. i don't even care at this point i only dilated to two centimeters mm-hmm. give me an epidural Got an epidural. Hour later, dialed to nine seven centimeters. It broke my water. An hour later, pushed for 17 minutes, came out. Wow. Super easy after I got epidural. Oh. But it was just my body couldn't relax itself. Right. And I did the hypnotherapy and mm-hmm. did all that, like the hypnobirthing and stuff. And it was just like, but I didn't plan on having a at an at-home pregnancy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I already knew I was going to go to Covenant yep. and yada, yada, yada. But there was so much stress with like, okay, what else is going to happen I'm going to go into this hospital and suddenly we're all going to be infected with COVID and die. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You would be stressed. Yeah. So on top of that was also the 
coming home and not having anyone be able to help me. I never even fed a child mm. before. I never even changed a diaper before I had my son. Wow. I've never babysat a kid. Oh I never had gosh, nothing. Girl. So like for me, I literally learned off of YouTube and TikTok. Oh my gosh. And it's sad, but it's like, mm. I'm glad that I was chosen to go through that because yeah. I'm able to be, I'm a very open person about it yeah. in postpartum depression. Yeah. So I'm able to be a voice for women that don't feel like that is normal. Right. So, mm. yeah, I think that that's the biggest thing. But then obviously navigating after having my child, the masculine and feminine energy and who I am as a person. Yeah. I think being a woman is just so complex. Yes. And we think that it's just this easy thing. And I feel like a lot of people think it's very easy. But yeah, every day we go through different hormone cycles and we go through different. Yeah. Like men. Every every month is different. Every week is different. every week. Yes. You, you have know, four phases of a cycle that repeat. And men have a testosterone cycle that resets every 24 hours. That's why the 9 to 5 workday exists and works so well for men's bodies, male bodies. Um, but women are exhausted half the time. Because yeah. they're doing too much for what their body was is made and created to do. Yep. We're supposed to have a week full of rest every single month. Imagine if we had a matriarchal society instead of a patriarchal society. Like how much more relaxed would society be? Every yeah. three, every, you know, every third week of the month, you rest yep. and you have people come and take care of you Oh, and you let the God, world be girl. slow. Like it's basically like going back to homesteading, you know? Oh, I would love it. Oh, same. same. <laughs> we got a garden that we harvested from this fall and it was just beautiful. Like, yeah. Delicious. And I'd love to have a small scale homestead for sure. Mm-hmm. Long term. Yeah. I when I started my business, I told myself that I would never work full t- full time and I only work 16 hours a week. That's enough for me. That's amazing. I was like, and I want to start implementing homeschooling with Lennox. Like that's mm. my next thing to do. And I think it's trying to make the right decisions to yeah. create better human beings. Yes. And I want my son to have what I didn't have as a child mm-hmm. and without it being overbearing and right. be quote unquote too soft as they say it, you know. Right. But I think that being open with your emotions and leading by example is very important. And I think self-work is very, very important, especially being a woman, because there's a mm-hmm. lot of complex things that we go go through yeah. on a daily, monthly, you know, weekly basis. Yes. Yeah. And um, with figuring out our masculine and feminine energy and figuring out, you know, all of this, these complex things. And every day we're learning it's mm-hmm. not just like, you know, maybe five years from now, it's going to be completely different. We're going to learn right. more things about our spirituality and all of that, Yes, you know? So, um, so yeah, no, some great, literally some great topics. Seriously. Yeah. Um, yeah. thank you again yeah. so much for coming on. I'm going to stop it here because we could literally be I talking know. for four like, days. We could do a part two in the future. Literally. Sometime. I'm like, um, uh, three hours and 12 minutes. I know. So, you know I'm, I'm like, I'm like I'm surprised I don't have any messages from my husband asking me like when are you coming home for dinner oh wait I, I do you coming home soon <laughs> that was 10 minutes ago right but thank you so much for coming on I greatly yeah. appreciate it and I hope that you know this someone so at least fun. takes some something from the this podcast because yeah. I feel like you have such informational um topics that <laughs> we talked about and your birthing stories traumatic they are yeah i've done <laughs> a lot great, of trauma healing but since it, then honestly though what's nice about it is that you're able to speak about that and work through that yeah. and so any woman that is going through something like that or has when something yeah through something like that 
can um relate to you yes and that's what we a lot of women feel like we're alone in those situations yeah. and it's nice to you know resonate with someone i i literally created a program in the fall called mother birth like mother earth but mother oh birth. i love that and it's for processing birth trauma and that's right on your website yep and what's your website Healing through holism with an H instead of a W. <laughs> Healing through holism.com. Oh, perfect. It's and then that's where you can way. do. Yep. Yeah. So I do one to one work and I do group containers as well. But um, I also do like if you're in Michigan, <laughs> I do like healing events too. I like to host those. And oh, that's amazing. They're so fun. Um, but yeah, I most of the work I do is virtually with people one to one. And cool. I have mother birth set up as one specifically to address birth trauma mm -hmm. so you can process that release that like be seen and heard because mothers deserve to be mothered too yep. just as much as babies yep and with a little focus like side focus of if you want to have another baby like let's get you prepared yeah mentally and, and energetically to support that so you don't have a trauma response in the same intensity that you would yeah. if you don't process it before it happens yep perfect but, but thank yeah. you so much for coming on i appreciate it yeah. um check reagan out on her website and book a consultation with her and also book a freaking party with one yes. of those holistic parties I, with her yes I'm like, um you're gonna get a holistic party and you're gonna <laughs> i love healing parties <laughs> so fun. we love it but thank you so much reagan for coming on thank and you. i look forward to hopefully having another episode with yes. you yes thank, thank you so much you.